back, we're back. Tell your friends, tell your friends. The Three and D Podcast here with my boy Wizzy Wayne. What's good, bro? Nothing much, homie. Just listening to these beautiful train noises outside because you know that wind coming. Mm, tropical Storm Beta. Yeah, that homie Beta finna hit. You know, sometimes I feel like tropical storms can do much more. Not much more, but they can still do a lot of damage just like hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Especially the slow ones like this. It's going to sit right on top of your location. And there's chicken wraps, bro. Chicken I mean, wraps. that's pretty much why Harvey destroyed us because it literally just decided to camp for days. I mean, it wasn't a lot of wind or anything. It was just massive amounts of rain. Yeah. Shout out Harvey, though. No, not, really. not shout out Harvey. Not really. We don't like you, Harvey. <laughs> We are trying to disassociate from Harvey, actually. The only Harvey we like is Steve Harvey. Um, yeah, he, that's good, too, because he has a great mustache. He does. I mean, it looks fake. But it's not, and that's the crazy part. It kind of looks like, like your, the hair on the top of your head, but on his upper lip. Just, like, really firm. I need a haircut. Jeez, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you might. We don't talk about okay, that. we're we're totally getting off right now. But <laughs> hey, don't forget, you guys, you can follow us on Twitter at three nd underscore pod at three nd underscore pod. Make sure to follow us there. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to uh, give us that five star rating and leave us a review. We will actually read them and appreciate anything you say, unless it's negative, then we'll delete it. Um, no, I want negativity. Yeah, our haters fuel us. It gives me my motivation to be better. Uh, YouTube, you can uh, you can find us on YouTube as well. And we love if you su- subscribe to our page and also like our videos. We'd appreciate that as well. But it's time to get into it today. Wayne, if you don't mind, I think I'd like to start with a farewell poem for my Houston Rockets. Okay, okay, go ahead. I spent some time on this and oh I, feel it's, I feel it's necessary. Um, Make sure so, you clip this and then like just put it on Facebook, Twitter, all that. Like, yeah, it might not even be this. good. It's just it's my feeling. So here we go. <sighs> Toast to another season, full of exciting experiences, just to name a few. Acquiring Russell Westbrook for CP3 this off season. James Harden averaging thirty four points. Moving to an innovative small ball lineup and advancing past CP3 and the Thunder in the first round with an incredible game-saving block by James Harden. Pause. I may be forgetting some. Toast to throwing away basically all of our future assets for a guy who makes my jump shot look max-worthy. To Harden for getting how to play the whole second half of the season. To offloading Clint Capella so that 6'5 PJ Tucker could match up with Steven Adams and Anthony Davis. And to the Thunder, taking us to seven games while a guy named Lou Dort nearly ended our season. And a toast to Daniel House, his inability to contain himself within a pivotal playoff series. Am I bitter? Of course. Am I somehow still optimistically hopeful? Unfortunately, yes. Much like the Rockets, how they never know how to end or resolve their season, I also do not know how to end this poem. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ten out of ten. Please. I like does that. it. Does it express it accurately? It does. I like the part in there you put about Lou Dort because he really did almost end your season. <laughs> I Yo. feel like there. I feel like there's no success in saying that we got past the Thunder while he scored thirty points on us in Game Seven. Yeah. Like I don't feel like there's any pride in us saying that we moved on while he was literally the best player on the court still. Man, but, he didn't even know he was going to do that. That's the crazy part. Yeah. He was he was just as shocked as we were. So the Rockets uh did not do what the Nuggets did and come back from a three one lead. Uh or down from three one rather. Um it was pretty much what we expected, right? You know, the mm-hmm. Rockets, it was it was pretty much a wrap after game one. The the game one was super hopeful. Uh, but as we spoke about, LeBron and the Lakers, they usually find a way to kind of just Feel it out in that game one, and then finish it out. F- finish it out the rest of the way. Yep, run your straight four zero, gentlemen yeah. sweep. But it feels like an eternity ago that that series was. Honestly, yeah, I think that's because every like all the other series like took too long to finish, so that you know the Lakers just been sitting there chilling. Like, what are we going to do now? Oh, yeah, and al- and also the games are like they're moving so quick at this point too. I mean every other day is a game but I think they're having their first like like the Boston Heat series they just finished up game three but they won't play again until Wednesday so they have like a really long break oh this has been like the first big break since the playoffs started so I feel like that's going to be good for the players okay I'll take it um okay so I mentioned the Nuggets too this is the first team ever to come back from a 3-1 deficit twice in the playoffs in the same season, which almost sounds nearly impossible, but they actually did it. It's, it's like they're the comeback, comeback kids. That's what they're calling them, the comeback kids. But what did you think about uh, the Clippers-Nuggets series and just how that – you know, we'll get to the Clippers in just a second, but let's talk about the Nuggets real quick and just how they – ended uh to ended the clippers and managed to find a way to to squeeze past them and utilize Jokic and murray well it's i don't know man the nuggets they just look like they wanted it more in the second half of, especially in those uh what was it game i think it was game five and six where they were down big at halftime and the clippers had every chance to close it out and they didn't i mean you got two quarters left to play and it looks like they just like flip flopped, and the Nuggets clamped up on defense. They made the Clippers look like they were, you know, running around with their heads cut off, like chickens with their head cut off. Like they just didn't know what to do with the ball. Like, so, shout out to the Nuggets, man, for stepping it up in those games. Those were crucial games too. Um, I thought it was gonna be over game five. Was, you know, they were up. Clippers were up sixteen, I think, at halftime. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is this is over. I'm it was a wrap. It was a wrap and, at halftime. Like we, we talked about on the podcast too. And I was like, you know, Doc Rivers told them we got to be up. We got to keep our foot on their neck and keep them down. And they didn't, they didn't do that. And then, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, and then the Nuggets, they just, for whatever reason, in game six, they were just like, you know, we're in the same spot. So let's just do it again. And like, it worked. I'm just like, I'm sitting here like Clippers. All you got it. I'm not, you know what? I'm going to save that for later because I got some, I got bones to pick. Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts on the Clippers. But the Nuggets, they did an excellent job of just, like, not giving up and just 
keep shooting until that shot goes in. Because all you got to do is see that shot go in, and that just that's a game changer. It clicks in your head, and you're like, all right, now we can get things going. Now we can do this. And they they rallied around each other like a like a really good team should, and completely made the Clippers look irrelevant, and ran the table, and won that series. So shout out to the Clippers, man. They did a they did a good job. You mean the Nuggets? I mean the the Nuggets. My bad. <laughs> that's how bad I want to talk about the Clippers, bro. Like I, this is I this is like you shouting out Harvey at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, long shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the biggest difference though in these is. You know, the Nuggets, like, this team has been together for maybe the last five years since they've drafted Jokic and Murray, and they've really had an opportunity to, you know, miss the playoffs, grow together, um, have the right pieces surrounding them, and, you know, go through those tough losses last year in the playoffs. I mean, they they went to game seven in the playoffs last year and ended up uh, – losing was it in the first round or the second round because they beat the spurs in the first round last year right yeah in game seven the spurs and then i think they lost to the blazers was the next round because yeah the blazers ended up going to the conference finals yeah but i don't remember how many games they took them to but the point the point is that they've had a chance to kind of you know grow with this team together whereas like the clippers it was almost like throwing in a bunch of stuff in a bucket and hoping that it, that it works. That, that was a bad analogy, but basically you can't just throw a bunch of talent in, in one room or one team and expect, you know, everything to just work out. And I, I think we, you know, we saw that when things really st- when the pressure really started rising in that mm-hmm. series, right when it was about three, two in the series, it was like, okay, this is where you see players that are, you know, that actually really have it or they don't have it. And, uh, you know, I think the Nuggets just did a really good job. They have, they actually have an offense, right? They know they're going to run pick and roll with Murray and Jokic. They know that they're going to have guys attack the baskets. They know they got Gary Harris on the wing and he can defend on the other end. Like they have all these pieces in place. And I just felt like, and we can move on to the, to the Clippers now, but I really feel like the Clippers just collapsed. I mean, we saw all the same games together. I mean, it looked like they were just a shell of themselves after after game five into the rest of the series. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. Like I don't I don't understand it. I don't I can't get it. I can't grab like my head can't comprehend what happened because well, and it's funny too because you know, we were talking about finals predictions way back and we were talking about the Bucks who got kicked out in the second yeah. round. And now we're talking about the Clippers. Mm-hmm. being kicked out in the second round both teams that like if if you would have said in the east who's coming out i would have said bucks if you would have said the west who's coming out i would have said clippers it's crazy man they didn't want it and you see what happens when playoff p turns into pandemic p it mm. don't work out i mean he literally clanked it off the side of the backboard in that fourth quarter we don't we let's i feel I like even, any professional basketball player even if you're a sinner like you could at least hit the rim. Like this dude literally was like in far, you know, left field, right field. And just to me, that was kind of like the cherry on top to really go, okay, there's no way they even have a swing to even make this interesting in that fourth quarter. As soon as he hit the the side of that backboard. Look, they didn't want it from game five, second half. And it really showed they 
I guess they just forgot how to play basketball, to be honest with you. And I can, I'm not going to put the whole loss on this one person, but the tide definitely shifted to the Nuggets' favor in game five when Lou Will was AWOL. When he was gone and he couldn't hit anything, he ended that game with like four points, I think. When, he, when his shot was off, when the Clippers needed him most to be that sixth man to come off the bench and like do something, and he wasn't there, that's when the Nuggets won game. Uh, they won their second game. Then they came back game six, won a third game. And then game seven, like, everybody was just gone. Everyone well, was depleted. It wasn't just him either, but it was his running mate oh, no, it wasn't just too. Him. I mean, it was Montrezl Harold, like, could not defend Jokic, like, one bit. And really couldn't find his offense against uh, that Nuggets defense. Like, they both were – I mean, Lou Will maybe had a good game here and there, but even he's hard to keep on the floor. You know, he's great on the offensive end, but – as soon as you go back on the uh, on on defense, like they're targeting him because they know he stands no chance. Yeah, um, I think the the Clippers, like the Lakers, how they guard Jokic, and we'll talk about that in a second too. But um, like they have, I don't know, what, I don't know how to say it, like how to put it, but they have different kinds of bigs. I guess you have AD who can score. We know he's going to give you like thirty. 35 a game, whatever. But then you have Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who we don't really need them to score much, but we just need them to go out and guard the best big man. Yeah, they're bigger right bodies who can handle Jokic. Yeah, and so we don't really need AD to do much against Jokic. We put Dwight, we put JaVale on him and let him do his – and let them do their thing. And with the Clippers, I mean, you got Zubat, which is I – don't, I don't really – I mean – I don't know. Yeah. But I, other than Zubac, Zubac, like, Zubac held his ground but he could not be the only one to play but even then he couldn't play 48 minutes and handle Jokic exactly because you have to give him some time and then whoever you put on the floor has to be able to pick up where he left off and Montrez could not pick up where he left off no and that was the whole issue like once you once you let those guys catch a rhythm like you when Doc Rivers says keep your foot on their neck what he meant was like whatever we were doing in the first half do it again in the second half and so they went back on the floor and they started switching things up. And he was like, no, do what worked. Whatever worked in the first half obviously is working. Like they're, they're down by 16. So we've got to keep that going. And they just didn't do it. Doc, so, Doc Rivers is a good coach. I mean, he, he is. There's, there's a reason he's been with the Clippers for years now. Um, and he's a player's coach too. I mean, but does he deserve any blame for this? I, I, I mean – one of the things I, I had tweeted about a couple of days, like we would love to point that finger at players, but like this is not the first time in Doc Rivers' career where as a coach he's, he's lost a 3-1 lead. I think he's done it a couple times. Once against Houston where that, it was that Josh Smith, Corey Brewer comeback oh where the Rockets goodness. ended up, you know, coming Wale. back and winning the series. And, uh, you know, one in his early days with the Magic and the, and the T-Mac days. But is there any – blame to be put on him or is this pretty much the players um i would put some blame not a lot though i wouldn't put the like i wouldn't put the majority of the blame on doc rivers but as a head coach some of it does fall back on you because like it they were just ill-equipped to finish that series and yes the guys were missing shots but part of that comes back on coaching and getting your guys in the correct spot and calming them down. Cause like when they were looking all frantic out there and stuff, 
there, there has to be times, there has to be something you can do or say to kind of bring your guys in and be like, look, we're losing it right now. We need to calm down and get things going back in our way. And it looked like that never happened. Whenever they were up and that second half came in and then they lost the game in, uh, in game five and in game six, there has to be something you can, you know, some, not a, like a motivational speech or anything. You don't have to like have a speech prepared, but there has to be something that you can do as a coach, draw up plays, get people more organized so they don't run out there and not know what the heck to do. Um, and I felt like Doc with this team maybe thought that, and listen, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, he could be, you know, doing all the things that I'm saying, but I'm, so I'm just kind of blowing smoke here. But it feels like even with this team, because there's so much talent, that it's almost like, well, I, I only, you know, when they do like the sideline, you know, coaches are mic'd up and the, and the timeout huddles. And it's like, literally I could do that. Yeah. Anybody could do what they say. It's, it's literally like, Hey guys, we got to give some more effort. We got to get back on the other end. Let's make smart choices, you know, mm -hmm. pass the ball to the open man, keep the ball moving, like literally all the basic things. And yeah. I, I feel like doc, even with this team, probably saw that there was so much talent that he really didn't need to go to X's and O's. But I felt like after that game five, it was like, okay, it's time to, to drop some X's and O's because you can't really rely on just talent. But I don't think there's enough blame for him to say, like, we need to find a new coach. Because honestly, I, I don't know if there's much better coaching choices like out on the market right now to that you would say, oh, yeah, they're better than Doc Rivers. Um, but I – I guess, do the Clippers need to make any moves, do you feel like? I mean, I've heard some crazy things, honestly. One of the crazy things I've heard is that they need to legitimately think about moving on from Paul George, which I disagree with, but I've heard it. Yeah, I don't think you need to move on from Paul George. No, it's too early for all that. Um, I don't think they need to make any huge changes. I just think they need to just get their crap together. And, and finish it out. Because we know going into the next season, we already know they're going to make the playoffs, hands down. Unless something like unless something crazy happens, they're going to be in the playoffs. It doesn't matter what – I don't care what seating they're in, they're going to be in there. Um, well, so at even, this point, when, even when LeBron went to Miami that first time with D-Wade and Chris Bosh, like they flamed out in that first year against Dallas, I think it was. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody expected them to go and win it all. So, I mean, it's not always guarantee, right? No, it's not. But I think for them, they just need, like we said with the Nuggets, like the Nuggets, they have that group mentality. They've been together for so long that they know each other and they know how, what to say to each other to kind of pick each other up and get the ball rolling again. With the Clippers, they got to establish that, that, that bro-ness, you know, like get on the same level with everybody. Be, I'm trying to think of the word. They just need to come together more, like be a unit instead of being individual players who are on the same team. That's kind of that's kind of hard with a veteran team though, right? Because at that point in their careers, like they're not really worried about team chemistry and hanging out all the time, you know, like younger guys would do. Like even both Kawhi and Paul George, they kind of signed the the two the two year contracts with the Clippers with the second year being an option, or is it the the third year is an option? So the Clippers, they don't even have a lot of time to be like, yeah, we're locked in for the next five years. We'll be all right. Like they got to think quick on their feet because there's no guarantee these guys come back. So I agree with you. One part is, yeah, we got to 
we got to lock in and, and be a team and get that chemistry going. But to me, the other part is like, we, we just have to make sure that we actually have an offense that we believe in and can execute what we want to execute. And they, I, I kind of feel like they needed this because they really acted like they won the championship before the season started. Like a lot of their players, like even Pat Bev, when he was, you know, barking at Beverly from the free throw line, you know, in the bubble saying, you know, you know, like waving to him like he did in the playoffs last year and mocking him and doing all these things. This was Pat Beverly and Paul George was chiming in and they were saying Cancun on three on Instagram to Damian Lillard. I mean, they were really acting like they had won the championship already. And I think they really got humbled through the situation, which I think needed to happen. Yeah, that. Yeah, I guess you can look at it that way. It's like a humbling experience. They probably should have just, you know, kept their mouth shut, played basketball, moved on to the next game get things done and then when you're done and you win the chip you can say whatever the heck you want because you're the champions all i gotta but. say is in that last in that last game before they got kicked out the dynamic duo it was pandemic p and Kawhi. can't you make a shot because yes. honestly he went like four for Kawhi went like four for 17 i mean we put a lot of blame on paul george but there's a little bit of blame on Kawhi too you gotta yeah. show up in the last Okay, and I can't talk as a Rockets fan because James Harden doesn't show up in the last games either, but <laughs> I do believe that we can hold Kawhi kind of in a greater status to 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 put him on this, you know, pinnacle. So, you know, he didn't really show up either, but uh yeah, good luck Clippers. I, I just say run it back, you know. Don't don't do anything drastic. Just run it back, learn from this and and give it a go next year. Keep your mouth shut, move on to the next game. That's all you got to do. Yeah, now we could be yelling Cancun on three to Pat Bev. Yep. Uh, so now that Denver has moved on, they're facing the Lakers. You know, we've only seen one game from them so far, and, and the other game is, I think, that is being played right now as we speak. I think they're hopping right into the third quarter. The last time I checked, it was like 55 to 45. Uh, Lakers were up. Yeah. It is 62-72 Lakers. 62. Oh. Okay. 62 to 72. Okay. So uh, still a lot of game left to play, but I, you know, this series is really interesting because I think what everybody's expecting, which they probably shouldn't, is that Denver, even if they get down real big in this series, you know, down 3-0, down 3-1, they're still going to make it back because they're the comeback kids and they've done it two series in a row before this. But I don't think you're going to get to do this for this Lakers team, because you got a guy in LeBron who's way smarter than that, anticipating all this. But I mean, I I think that I think that Denver can make it interesting, but I really think LA is gonna make this a five or six game series, and you know it's pretty much gonna be call quits past that point. Yeah, I don't see this series going seven. I don't even think I see it going six, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's going to be like a maybe a gentleman's sweep. I mean, the last two have been five games for the Lakers. Yeah, and I think LeBron – I just can't go against LeBron. I can't. Not anymore. Not, he's, he's done too much. He's proven to me. He's shut me up so many times. I'm, I'm just not even going to do it anymore. So, LeBron knows how to close games. He knows – I mean, he's been in the league for how many seasons? He knows how to get things done whenever it matters. So, even yeah. if there is a close game – in this series or whatever, 
I still count on LeBron coming out there and pooping on the Nuggets just because he can, you know? So yeah. I don't really see this. Uh, I mean, it's going to be competitive because these are both really good teams and the Nuggets just don't want to lose. But you can't go against LeBron and his experience and his basketball IQ and he just, I'm not going to do it. And this AD, just, no, I'm not going to do it. This is good for the Nuggets though, right? I mean, because we talk about growing pains for the Clippers, like the Nuggets to get to the Western Conference Finals, to me, that's a big accomplishment. Like, even if you don't make it past the Lakers, like, they're a veteran team. You guys are still a really young team. This is good experience for them, I feel like. Oh, for sure. But it's – there's two there, – there's a lot of interesting things in this series. One of the things I think you had already alluded to already, but, you know, Jokic, he really didn't have to deal with somebody in, you know, those first – so he had to deal with Gobert – in the jazz series, but that was more on the defensive end because Gobert's not really a threat on, on offense. Mm-hmm. Then in the Clippers, it was like between Zubach and Trez, which both of them really didn't give him anything on the offensive end and really on the defensive end. It's a little bit different with Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this dude had 37 in the first game. I mean, this, and not only is he a threat inside, but he can take it to, to the three point line and the mid-range, I mean, he can extend the whole floor. And so if Jokic is expending all that energy to guard Davis, it's going to be a lot harder for him to give what his team needs from him in order to lead to some wins because he's spending all that energy trying to keep up with Davis in this series. Yeah. And even on the other end, like maybe Davis isn't guarding him. Maybe it's JaVale McGee. Maybe it's Dwight Howard who are going to make him work for every bucket. Because yeah, they're which, not going to do anything on the other end, but they'll make both him neutralized him a little bit in that first game. I mean, Dwight had like 13 points, but he guarded Jokic really well. Yeah. So that's going to be really where the, I guess, where the line is drawn as far as how the Nuggets have been able to come back in both of those, in both of those prior series is you can't really get Jokic involved in, in this one. I mean, you can try, but the more you try, the more he's going to, I mean, the matchups are just too much for him, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, the key uh, – so he could be the key to the series if he finds a way to beat those guys, uh, all those bigs. But if it's not him, it's got to be Murray. Murray's got to have one of those series like he had against the Jazz where he's just ripping dudes apart. But yeah. I, I don't even think that's going to happen either because you have a bunch of guys you can throw on him too. Like KCP can guard pretty well. Alex Caruso can guard well. LeBron can guard him in moments. Like – Danny Green is a is a good perimeter defender. Like all these, they have a bunch of options to throw at Murray too. So they're really neutralizing both of the guys where they find almost all of their offense from, which is going to be a really hard thing for them to figure out. But the the big thing for Denver in this first game was they got murdered in transition. And Jokic even said it himself. Like when we score the basket, we have to get back. We can't like ease our way back because the Lakers are running and gunning already. And so I, I think the Lakers kind of were anticipating this in, in the game that's happening tonight. Like when, it, when a team knows what the other team is saying, like, yeah, they killed us in transition. The team that killed them in transition is going, okay, they're going to be doing things much better. So we have to counterattack that. So like Lakers are kind of already one step ahead of them, even though the Nuggets think they're countering what happened in the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it, I guess it's, better to kind of like keep things to yourself don't really just like right. let them say it out 
to the media. Um, well, I mean, he didn't say anything like bad or anything like that. It wasn't like, what's his name? Um, uh, Michael Porter, who was like, we're going to get more guys involved. I mean, he, then he kind of backed it up, but like, it wasn't to that extent. He just said, you know, we're getting killed in transition. So now the Lakers are like, oh, cool. So now we know what to do. Right. Um, we know what to expect in this next one. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to like jump on Jokic for saying that, but uh, yeah, transition. We're, we're in the Showtime Lakers era yet again. And where they're just going to, you know, okay, you scored a basket, that's cool. We got a dude gunning down the court. Let me just inbound it to him. He's going to chunk it down the court for alley-oop, full court alley-oop, and then now you're down two again. So we're in, a, in that era where they're just going to run the floor, and they got guys who can just run. Like, they don't, they're not going to get tired because right. this is and, what they do. And they got guys running with them. Like, it's not just LeBron pushing it and four guys trailing him. Like, all those perimeter oh. guys – are getting set up on the three as soon as, you know, they come to, to double LeBron at the rim. He has players he can kick it out to. And so I think you, wanna, you want to make the Lakers play a half-court game. Like, you, you want them to run their, their offense in half-court and not tra- transition because even though, yes, they can dump it down to Davis in the post and LeBron can get some things set up, they're much more, they're much more dangerous when, when their defense leads to their offense. Um, and – and we got to give credit to the Lakers because like th- that's the thing. They've just been incredible defensively and that's why they're able to score and get out in transitions because they, they make it disturbing for the nuggets every time they try to get back on that end and, and do something. So credit to them. And also an X factor, not only in this series, but last series, Rajon Rondo, he has been killing it, man. And I don't know what it is, but he he is almost like redefined his shot and it's hard for me to believe in Rondo because I feel like I've said this before about him. You know, we, we always say this, but I feel like you love to have him in a playoff series because he's just got the smarts for it. He's almost like another assistant coach literally playing in the game with you. Um, But he's been great in setting up dudes almost like, a legit third option for them. I, I know Kyle Kuzma is kind of that guy beyond LeBron and Davis, but Rondo just has the experience. And I mean, he's been looking really good. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Rondo fan, but most people do, are not. I, I respect Rondo and I respect his game to the end degree. Like he, that dude can hoop for sure. And he knows, like he knows his role. He knows he's going to go out there and facilitate and he can get you a bucket if you need it here and there, but he's going to go get other guys involved and keep the ball moving and, like, fake out the defense and stuff like that. So he knows what, he's, what he can do best. Um, so, yeah, and especially in this series where they need people to just, you know, attack, feed LeBron, attack, feed Davis, you know, hit Danny Green in the corner for a three, let Kuzma backdoor cut, lob it up to him, let him dunk on somebody's head. You know, they need someone with the IQ to see all those things and move the ball around. So, yeah, Rondo is an X factor because he's basically like, as far as IQ goes, he's just LeBron light. Like LeBron has like yeah. Nostradamus IQ on the basketball court. Like dude just knows he can see your move before you even do it because he's going to set it up this way and all that stuff. And then Rondo is just like, all right, cool, I'm going to help you, LeBron. When you backdoor cut, I'm going to throw it to you, and then you're going to throw it up to AD. And, then, like, I don't understand it. But I mean, pr- probably two of the best basketball minds on the court at the same time, though, like exactly. R- Rondo and uh, 
LeBron. I, I could see Rondo being a coach one day for sure. And, oh, and even is. starting out like as an assistant coach and moving on to a head coach. It would, it would be fun to see him uh, doing that, even though he reminds me of a turtle the way he looks. But <laughs> You just had to throw that in there, man. I did. Uh, it wasn't even in my notes. I just thought of it. He's going to do this podcast and be like, all right, I see you. <laughs> uh, so what are we giving the Lakers in this, what, five, six games? I'll give them five. Gentlemen sweep. You think the Nuggets pull pull out one or pull out two possibly? This is not going to be a sweep. A gentleman sweep. Okay. I think I, I think I agree with that, even though we said the same exact thing the last series when they matched up with the Clippers. This is true. <laughs> so, this is true. But honestly, if that helps for them to win of us going against them, then I'm still down for us to go against them because I'd love to see the Nuggets advance, honestly. I'm not going to lie. So, Ooh, Okay. That'd be kind of interesting. I'd like to see a Nuggets Heat series. I don't know. Oh. Uh, let's move on to the Heat, though. Miami versus Boston. Heat up uh, two to one right now. Celtics won last night. What have been your initial thoughts kind of just on uh, these three games so far? Well, shoot, I thought that it was just going to be chicken wraps after they went down, even after, like, the first game. Because, I mean, the first game was pretty good. Like, it was a, it was a nice game. It was a solid game. Um, which one? Did they go into overtime at all? Was that the first um, game? I can't remember. I know it was a really good game. I don't think they did. Maybe I can't remember, else. honestly. Anyway, I just I remember it being a, a very good game. Um, so wait, yes, they, they did. Down. They did. I think it was game one. I don't know, man. I let's, just remember it being a very good game. That's let's say they did. Okay, but anyway, um, lost game one, and I was like, "That seed," and that's the thing we're talking about with the Heat, and in those moments, those key clutch moments when you need that fight and that dog. Those are the moments we're talking about where they can overcome those things because they get in your head, they frustrate you, they get you off your shot, and yeah. So then, oh, yeah, it was because Jason Tatum almost hit that really clutch shot in overtime where he caught the ball and fell down and then got up and then shot it and he missed. I think that was game one of that series, of this Heat-Celtic series. Wasn't, wasn't game one where Bam had the huge block against Tatum That's on that driving game. dunk? Yeah. Same game. Okay. Wait. Yeah. No, that was game two. I mean, it don't matter. These games it's have been all, really good. It's all running together at this point. Yeah, honestly. these games have been really good. And so they came back game three, and they won game three. And I believe Hayward was back for that one too. I don't think he did that great, but he's back. He's an extra body on the floor that can score. I mean, so, he didn't have an amazing game, but like – I think it freed them up so much more just knowing that they have a guy who, who can create. Yeah. And uh, I just found this out today, but, you know, I think we talked in the last part about how uh, his wife's about to have their fourth child. So he was going to come back from injury, but then end up leaving again to go to his uh, wife's, you know, pregnancy, or that's not the right word, uh, her delivery, labor, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But I found out today that he's actually not going now. Like he's going to stay in the bubble, which my wife would kill me. <laughs> I don't, I mean, but Hey, to each his own, if she's cool with that and he's cool with that, then do you think, but remember when, when NBA players have kids is it's wraps. It's a wrap. So, Talk to Fred Van Fleet. 
expect Gordon Hayward to drop 55 next game just because. So did you see Gordon Hayward's mustache? No, I did not. Dude, he's got a very defined mustache right now. It is ugly, but it is uh, it's popping. And I heard somebody oh. give him this nickname. You know, the Rockets have Eric Gordon. Mm-hmm. And so they – they call him Splash Gordon because he can shoot, you know, anywhere from beyond the arc if, he, if he's really got it going. Somebody said, we should call Gordon Hayward Stash Gordon because of the mm. defined mustache and his first name is Gordon. I, I said, hey, that works out perfect. Yeah. Stash Gordon, that's what I'm going with. But Stash what, I, what like. I was trying to say about him earlier was, right, he, he didn't have an amazing game. He was like two for seven, seven points, but like – he came in there and like one of the first plays, nice pick and roll dump action to Daniel Tice for an easy dunk. Like just having another guy who can create beyond Brown, Kemba and Tatum is just another weapon, especially coming off the bench. Now you got Wanamaker, Cantor, um, and then Hayward coming off the bench to give you some juice. Yeah. And I've always liked Gordon Hayward. Like I, I've never been one to, you know, go against Gordon Hayward or think he can't do like the, the dude's nice when he's on the floor, kids got the juice. So yeah. I like this. Uh, I like him coming back and being able to help out this Celtics team. I think that might be the actual like turning defining moment for this series is him being able to come back and be that extra option. Like you said, to be able to space the floor. So they don't key in on all these people. Now you got to worry about um, Gordon Hayward. who's probably going to sit in the corner and wait for the ball to swing to him. And splash that three. So what Miami, did, what Miami did amazing in the first two games was – and this is what Toronto did against Boston to kind of neutralize them, but they implemented that zone defense to where they were basically, in a way, like daring them to shoot from the outside. Uh, and the rotations Miami makes on defense is incredible. Those, just, those dudes just hustle, like Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic bam like they all just hustle on those rotations in the zone defense but you know the first two games there wasn't any really any adjustments made by Boston but what happened in the third game you saw it right from the jump they just started attacking the basket through that zone defense and it really worked in their favor uh and unlike the first two games you know Boston had a big lead in both the first two games and it ended up giving it up to the heat but you never saw that really happen this game other than like the last minute, but it was kind of like a fake run by the heat at the end at that point. But what they did really well was, you know, just attack the basket because the lanes probably open up a little bit more on that zone defense. Uh, And with, you know, they want you to try to play man to man because they know that they can come over and, and guard you if you try to, you know, cut this way or cut that way. But uh, Boston did a really good job at countering that, and and uh, I, I think it, you know, ended up giving them giving them the win, especially after all the heated discussion with Marcus Smart and all them yelling in the locker room after Game Two, uh, which really didn't surprise me. I mean, did, did that surprise you? I mean, it's it's just frustration. I mean, they were down two zero. You gotta gotta let them get it out. I don't so. know why that has to be public. You know what I mean? Like, the I feel media like has to have something to talk about. Literally all the time. They got to have something to talk about, you know. So they're going to – if you do something like that, they're going to pick it out and be like, oh, look at this team. They're cracking under pressure. They can't take it. And, you know, give Stephen A. and Max Kellerman something to talk about the next day. So it's, it is what it yeah. is. It, I, was, I was like – I mean, 
I was kind of happy it happened because I knew that was going to fuel them, you know, going yeah. to the next game, have, have some chippiness, have something to work towards. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know why everything has to be publicized, but um, I mean, I guess that is their job, but Marcus Smart, uh, and this was another thing that they, they changed, but Marcus Smart ended up guarding Drogic from the start instead of Kimba Walker guarding Drogic, which was really good because uh, Kimba was guarding Crowder to start game three, which you would think like, oh, there's a mismatch there, but you're not going to have Jay Crowder like going down to the post. Like he's mainly going to be a perimeter guy who sits out there and shoot, shoots threes. So Marcus Smart did, uh, or I guess I should give credit to Brad Stevens for making that change. But you know what? Marcus Smart, if he had like a, a reliable jump shot, he would, I think we would be talking about him as one of the, like the top 10 players in the league because he's got the hustle that's already there. He's got the energy. He's got the defense. If he could gain a reliable jump shot and maybe a tighter handle like this, we'd be talking about this dude at least top 10 top 15 in the league right yeah he, he's nice real nice on the floor and he does all the hustle things he does all the little like behind the scenes stuff that you need a player to do to make sure you get the ball on your team on your team's side so they can score so yeah if he could if his shot was a little better if he could cross people up break some ankles you know yeah we're probably talking about him top i'll give him top 15 players in the league yeah but Another thing about that little scuffle or whatever he did thing, or whatever, um, and how the media just like they just love to take things and take it out of proportion. I guess Marcus Smart is smart, and like, I, and so if he's yelling at the team or yelling in the locker room, in my mind, that's not gonna be anything detrimental. You know, that's not gonna be anything that's gonna tear the team apart to where they just don't play for each other and then they end up losing the series 4-0. I mean, like, he just wants to light the fire. And so yeah. they started coming out with all that stuff like, oh, they're yelling in the locker room and blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's just trying to light a fire under this team. You need a guy like that on your team. Like, every, yeah. every team needs a guy like that. Shoot, and it worked. I mean, like, they came out and they won. So, shoot, Marcus Martin, do it again. Uh, I was interested to know your take on this because you're a huge Spurs fan. But Drogic has been getting a lot of uh, comparisons to Manu Ginobili. Just in terms of the, the lefty shot and the shiftiness and the footwork, because Drogic isn't really like super speedy. He just knows how – he just knows angles and he knows how to stop on a dime and he knows how to uh, get around guys even though he's not the fastest guy. And that was kind of the same thing with Ginobili in a way. Like he wasn't – he was athletic, but he wasn't like LeBron athletic. He just knew angles and knew how to beat you off the dribble because he was shifty and crafty. Oh yeah. Mario Ginobili was slow. Let's put it, let's say what it is. He was slow, but he knew how to use that to his advantage. And that's where that whole Euro step thing came in where he just, ah, ah, and then put it up with the left. Like Drake said, left hand like Ginobili. Anyway, if you, if you know, you know, but, um, yeah, I guess I could understand why people are comparing him to Manu Ginobili. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just I, I thought it was interesting. But I will I say like that. the Miami Heat, I feel like, have to be the number one team in the NBA to have the coolest names. I'm Bam. With I'm with you. Goron. Duncan. Tyler Hero. Like, 
they got a lot of nice names. I don't know it's if that has anything easy. to do with play and confidence, but I just thought it was cool. They got a lot of swagger, man. That's they it. got swagger. Tyler Hero's got a lot of swagger. Yo, Tyler Hero is that dude, man. He does not look like a rookie out there. No, he's been here. He's seasoned. Seasoned veteran. I feel like when you – I think he came from Kentucky. If you come from Kentucky uh, in college, like, you already know what bright lights look like. Oh, yeah. He was, he was made for this. Um, I, I think I give the Heat – so, you know, when me and you spoke last week, you gave the Heat the advantage in the series just simply off of, like, grit and energy, and I gave the Celtics the, uh, the advantage simply off of, like, skill. I think my mind's changing a little bit, even though Celtics got that win last night. Um, but I'll hold true with my Celtics and seven pick. Are you gonna, you gonna hold true with the Heat and six or seven? Yes, I'm gonna hold true to that. Yeah, Jimmy Butler spoke last night about how like they really can't keep coming from behind. Like that's not healthy for them to just get behind and think that they're always going to make the comeback after halftime. And, and it finally happened in game three. So I think we're going to see a much more aggressive first half from them because that's usually any halftime comes, they're down 10 to 13. And the second half is where they turn it up. I think they're going to start going, okay, we need to turn it up, you know, 10% more in the first half and keep the same energy in the second half. Yeah. Running gun in the first half. And then, I mean, you don't really want to coast, but you want to like, get comp- like get a nice lead that you can build upon so you don't have to come from behind and it's like now you're constantly having to you know move down the court real fast cuz you're playing from behind you know get comfortable get a nice lead that way that's where that grit comes in cuz you can keep them down that's what doc rivers and them clippers need they need that grit to keep teams down where they but like we got you down you ain't coming back up that's it he yeah. got that jim butler had a really good first two games he didn't have such a great game last night but I think it was either Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gunny that said this over the broadcast but and I thought it was so true it was like Jimmy Butler is one of those superstars that doesn't have to score 26 in a game for you to view him as a superstar like he could go two for seven and have the greatest impact on the game still yeah that's true I I believe that because even in like game two down the stretch he had like two big steals that like pretty much sealed the game. Like it's those kind of plays that make him who he is like, and he's just fine if everybody else gets shots. And if he had, you know, only taken four shots and they they got the win, that's what makes Jimmy Butler unique is because he honestly does not care about stats. He just cares about winning. And you can see it in the way he plays. Yeah. Shout out Jimmy buckets, man. Jimmy buckets. I think he's a Texas guy. Tom ball. Tomball, Texas, I think. Hmm. So shout out uh, Texas Ballers. Shout out Texas, bro. Hey, we out here. I didn't know that. All right. We have our third guy in NBA history who has won the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Congrats to Giannis Antetokounmpo for being announced the MVP of the season. Wayne, your thoughts? First off, his name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antarumpo. Antarumpo. I remember when he first like started like blowing up because like, oh it's Giannis and no one could say his last name. And so people were just like, Giannis Antenzo. Oh yeah, him. Yeah. The uh, Greek freak. Yeah. That's when that came out when nobody yeah, could pronounce Greek. his name. It's like, ah, we'll just call him the Greek freak. Yeah. 
you know, shout out to Giannis. I, I knew it was going to happen from the jump. I was like, Giannis going to win MVP. It's, it is what it is. And there are always the people who are like, you can give it to LeBron every year because he does this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you can make a valid point. That's cool. But when you look at what Giannis is doing, especially with the number of minutes that he's playing, because he's playing like less minutes than I, – I, it was a stat where Giannis is playing less minutes than any other MVP that won like in recent years or whatever. And like Steph Curry, when he won MVP, he was averaging like 34 minutes a game. Then LeBron won MVP and he was averaging like 36 minutes a game or whatever. And then Giannis wins MVP and he's averaging 30 minutes a game. Like he's putting up MVP numbers in less time. And so this is a regular season award. True. We regular season. We don't have to justify his award by what happened in the playoffs because it's a regular season award. Yeah. If we did it by the by the postseason. Then you could have a legit argument for other people. I would even argue like James Harden could be in there at some like in some capacity, because in the postseason like he was still, I still the most unguardable player in the NBA. Like I, I can't, I can't stress that enough. James Harden is unguardable. The only person that guards James Harden the best is himself. Wayne, I'm Wayne. I'm done talking about the Rockets. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm done talking to, about you go go back and listen to my my farewell poem at the beginning. It's it's time to move on until next season when when I can dream unrealistically. Just plug that poem in right here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um. So yeah, Giannis, this is back to back for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude's a stud, man. Yeah. So I will say though, he posted that he posted like a picture on Twitter of him in an airplane reading the newspaper, and on the front of the newspaper, it was you know, alluding to him being the two-time MVP. I was like, honestly, he shouldn't have posted that because that is like meme central. Like you could make a meme out of literally any information you want. You could just throw it on that newspaper. Now, I think I saw some people say like they threw up uh, like one of the headlines being Jimmy Butler defeats the Bucks in five games and Giannis is sitting there reading it. I'm like, you set yourself up for that one, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the internet is always undefeated, so. What I do like, though, he he had his interview with Er, uh, Adam Silver or Ernie Johnson. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But what he said, and I think last year he said, you know, don't call me the MVP until something happens. Uh, This year he said, don't call me the the two-time MVP till I'm a champion, which I really like that he said that because he knows that it's, even though he's grateful for the award, like he's got a lot of work to do as a player. And I think he realizes that and, you know, doesn't want anybody to misunderstand his intentions. Yeah. I can't stress this enough. Giannis wants to hoop. That man wants to play. He wants to win. So yes, he, we can say he needs to develop this. He needs to develop that. He needs to do this and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, this man wants to compete and he wants to play basketball at the highest level he possibly can, which is why I think he goes out there with all that intensity and all that animosity, and he just like he doesn't it doesn't matter who's in front of him. He's going to, like we talked about, dribble, two step, dunk from the three point line. So yep. it is what it is. Giannis is the MVP. Well, you know what? I'm not gonna call him the MVP until he gets a ring. He said it, so I'm not gonna call him that. No, he said, don't but call me the two time two time MVP. I'm gonna call him two-time MVP until he wins the ring, but I'll call him MVP of of the Rona season. How about that? Yeah, 
All right. So we'll, we'll end on this. I want your, I want your thoughts, but I guess it was a couple of days ago or the day that it was announced. LeBron says that he was pissed off because he only got 16 first place votes. Does LeBron have a right to be pissed off or does, does he even have a right to express frustration or does he have the right because he's been 17 years in the NBA now and he's basically always in the MVP conversation? You know what? I thought about this a little bit because when I first heard about it and I was like, like, I understand what he's saying. Like, of course he's going to be mad. He didn't win. But then I thought about it a little more and I was like, he only got 16 votes out of how many votes are there? I'm not entirely sure. I don't I have no idea. I thought it was going to be a lot closer as far as like the voting, but I guess it wasn't. I really I didn't. I didn't think so because LeBron's surge for this past season was really in the second half of the season. This was true. Started really considering him for a, you know, he could be, you know, the MVP, but Giannis was doing it all season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but that was me. Like, I just thought it was going to be a lot closer. So, I mean, I guess I understand his frustration. Um, he can be frustrated about only getting 16 votes. I don't think he should, he should be frustrated that he didn't win because, I mean, like you said, Giannis has been doing this all season. Okay. But, we'll put it this way. LeBron, do you want to get pissed off that you only got 16 first place votes for MVP or do you want to be a four-time champion and win your fourth finals MVP? Which one do you choose? I would hope it would be the latter. Yeah. Get the ring, dog. Get the ring and call it a day. Stop complaining about, you know, little MVP voting. Speaking of ring and how he's going to get there, the game is Are you getting married? (laughs) No, not yet. Um, I thought you were about to go there. (laughs) You're like, speaking of rings, I was like, oh, snap. Wayne bought the, he bought the Dima do it. (laughs) Uh, The game is now 95 to 89 Lakers. Okay. How many minutes left? Uh, there are five and a half minutes left in the fourth. Oh, we about to hop off this pod. <laughs> <laughs> we'll turn the game on real quick. Well, we, we right now. Wayne, we hit it all today, and yeah, we, and there's some football to watch too. Your Steelers won today, so I know you're happy. You've at least mm-hmm. completed that part of your Sunday journey because you know you'd be in a different mood if the Steelers had lost. Oh, I'd be I'd be upset right now. <laughs> you hey, wouldn't even hop on the you. pod with me. I'd be like, Drew, I'm going to bed, dude. I don't care if it's 7:30. I gotta go. <laughs> But yet, all those days when I was frustrated about the Rockets, I still committed to this podcast. So you got to do hey, the same man. with me. Uh, I'll, I'll stay with you. Well, don't forget to, if you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you give us that five-star uh, rating. Uh, drop a review. We will read it. We appreciate that. You can listen to us on Spotify. Find us on YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe to us there. And just like we gave you the challenge last week, tell a friend. Send this podcast to someone who enjoys the NBA. Send this podcast to somebody who doesn't enjoy the NBA. Send this podcast to somebody who hates the NBA. We'll take anything, literally anything. But Wayne, just some words, click the link, please. Some words of advice for us uh, before we head out today. Ooh, words of advice. Hey, you want to know some words of advice right now? Everybody, go on like Amazon and order like a raincoat. Like like a very just nice raincoat. You want to know why? Especially if you live in Texas right now, we get rained on. So be prepared. Buy a raincoat. You know what? Better yet, get an umbrella. 
What? Well, no, yeah. I was just going to say an umbrella will not suffice. I tried the you know umbrella what? today right. when it was like pouring down rain and I was basically drenched from my waist down. So invest in a windbreaker. Hold well, how about this? How about, you know, the, the bubbles where you can roll around and you're like basically extended all Dude, the way out. Get one of yes. those for this. Wrap, wrap your kids in bubble wrap because no, I'm just playing. That's not going to help at all. But literally, it's just it's just wet outside and windy. Like, just be prepared, y'all. Go on Amazon. Help out Jeff Bezos a little bit. You know, send him your money, send him your energy, mm. and get a get a raincoat. And you know, get the whole outfit. Get the the pants. Get the nice little rain boots. You know what I'm saying? Go all out. Get a waterproof case for your phone, because it's raining out here and it's not going to stop. Shout out so to anybody not listening to this in Texas. We're sorry for all this advice. I'm just upset right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Make sure you guys wrap your kids in bubble wrap. We appreciate you listening yep. and we'll see you next time. Peace. Adios.